So we're just going to continue to empower you and encourage you with the word of the Lord on tonight. Lord God, we just thank you for uh, this time in your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for this time where we have to feast from you once again, Lord God. And we just ask that you would increase and that I would de decrease, Lord God, so that the people would see you and glorify you and worship you as the God of all gods. God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, that there is none like you. There is none beside you. There is none holy like the Lord. So God, we just thank you and we praise you for everything that you're going to do and say on tonight. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Amen. And so tonight I want to look at uh, Malachi, the fourth chapter, uh, coming from the fifth to the sixth verse. I'm going to put it on the screen. Amen. And this is coming from the from the New King James Bible. Coming from the New King James Bible. And so it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, Apostle talked about uh, talked about Elijah and the widow woman uh, and how God has provided a stimulus package for each believer that trusts and believes in him. Uh, but sometimes I, I like to uh, just remind you that we some people have forgotten uh, the works of God. They've forgotten what God has been able to do uh, historically in not only their lives, but in the lives of those before them. And because they've forgotten and they don't they don't remember what the Lord has done, a lot of times they stray from him. They stray from the path uh, of the Lord. And, and so God really wants us to come back into faith with him again, come back into believing him again. Uh, and this is just continuing a part two of it's time to believe again uh, from the last time that I ministered. And so I, I want to remind you of uh, even in uh, Second Kings, the book of Second Kings, the 22nd uh, chapter in the 23rd uh, chapter, the 23rd chapter as well, uh, where uh, you where we had uh, this is part two, Brother Edwards. And so where you had uh, 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 the Josiah who began to reign when he was eight years old. But what he did, what he didn't do it when he was eight years old. He did it when he was in his 20s, because it says in the 18th year of his reign. Uh, that's when we find out that he begins to uh, do these things in the 18th year of his reign, uh, that he begins the reforms. He, one, first finds the word of God again. He finds the word of God because the people of God had not been living in the way of the Lord. They had been living according to their own desires, their own passions, their own opinions. And, and Josiah, you know, is having some, some reconstruction work done on a temple. And all of a sudden, one of the, the people finds the scroll, finds the scroll, finds the book of the law. And when he finds the book of the law, then uh, he brings it to Josiah, which is read to Josiah as it's read to Josiah. All of a sudden, something sparks inside of Josiah to the point to where he rips. It says he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes. And it just starts a, a trajectory for him to return back to the ways of the Lord because he recognized in reading the law and reading the, the word of God that there were some things, there were some there were some places, some there were some thoughts, some some behavior patterns. The way that they were conducting themselves wasn't exactly as God had laid it out for their ancestors. 
And, and and it was because they had departed from that. Because then when you read further in chapter 23, chapter 23 then goes into more detail as to what was exactly going on in society at that time. And I, I really believe that we're kind of, we're in those days now. We're actually in those days now where the people have forgotten, even the, the people, those that are supposed to be the people of God, they've forgotten They've forgotten the works of the Lord. They've forgotten the faithfulness of our God. And because they've forgotten, they started, they're starting to lead themselves. See, in Romans, Paul tells us that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons. Those are the children of God. Those are the people who are the children of God. But but if, if okay, so if we're led by the Spirit of God, and that, that signifies, that shows that we're the children of God, then if we're being led by ourselves, then we are just but men. We're just but humans, you know? And so, we, and, and we're, not, we're not subjecting ourselves because see, you have to willingly submit yourself. You have to willingly surrender yourself to God. And that is something that these days, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. Everybody wants to hear, do what you feel. But sometimes what I feel may not be what God wants. And we have to get into the place to where we stop trying to follow our own heart and our own passions and desires, especially if we know, you know you're not submitted to God because when he starts to speak to you and try to direct you to do certain things, you resist him. James tells us resist the devil, not resist God. He says draw nigh to God, submit yourselves to God. But people are not doing that these days. Because everybody's trying to be so politically correct. And I was talking to my wife the other day and I said, it, it just dawned on me that society, our society is weak because we're not submitting to God. We're not following the way of God. And because we're not doing the things that God desires for us to do, our society is weak. We're weakened. We're, we're subject to anything that comes. We're out of we're we're from under his shadow. We're not we're not under the cover of his wings. Because we're not believing him. These are positions that we attain by faith. And we need to we need to come back into faith. We need to come back to believe in God again. When I think about even uh in, in the stories that my, my grandmother, uh my, my father's mother tells me. Uh, she tells me about the days, you know, day, years ago uh, in, a, in the city of Newark and how, like, I mean, and, and those of you that are not from New Jersey, uh, Newark is, Newark is uh, probably the equivalent of Nazareth, okay? Remember how they say, can anything good come from Nazareth? Newark is kind of the equivalent of Nazareth, okay? It, it was a, Nazareth historically was a place of thieves and robbers, and it, it was a place where you get jacked, okay? And, and, and so... So my grandmother, though, tells me about a time where revival had hit the area. She tells me about a time where revival had hit the area, where, where God was moving strongly in signs and wonders through a man of God named Apostle Arturo Skinner. And, and, and perhaps wherever you are listening, maybe uh, Apostle Skinner had established or planted a ministry in your town because he planted ministries all over the world. And those, their sons and daughters of his ministry that started in works all over the world. And so uh, my grandmother tells me about this man, Arturo Skinner, and tells me about the things that happened during his ministry, how blind eyes were opened. Then, then she tells me how people uh, that couldn't walk, all of a sudden they could walk again. 
And then she tells me about how, how oh, there was a supernatural phenomena of crosses in the window, but there was no cross in the window. But God supernaturally caused a cross to appear, the shadow of a cross to appear in a window when there was no cross in front of that window and no light shining on it. But the glory of God was upon that house. It was upon that, that church. And, and God started to show himself strong in this area. And, and he, she tells me also about the prayer band. She tells me about the people who would gather together and just believe God and intercede for the region, intercede for the, for the body of Christ. And, and they would start to see people being raised from the dead. They would start to see people being raised from beds of affliction. They would start to see those wayward ones come into Christ that they would, that would, they would intercede and pray for. Come on now, though, and, and it's those memory. It's the it's remembering that history in the twentieth century, and, and and it even rings more true to me because somebody I know and trust was there. But see, if you don't know your history, then you will forget your identity. And see, the people of Israel in the days of Josiah. And even in the days of Elijah, as Apostle had read this morning, he, and, and when the people in during those times had forgotten the faithfulness of God, they had forgotten the history with God. They had forgotten what God had done, how they'd forgotten how he had been the one who enabled them to cross the Jordan River. And then they set the 12 stones as a memorial to remember that event. But they forgot <laughs> because they stopped reading. They stopped reading the word of God. They, 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 they stopped. They, they put it down on their coffee tables for ornaments. And all, all you, you remember going to people's houses and, and seeing that big Bible, the big King James Bible on a coffee table. And it, depending on whose house you went in, that King James Bible was dusty. Maybe not your house, but maybe somebody you know. But they, they stopped reading. And the, the sad thing about our generation is we stop reading. We have audio books and, and we stop reading. You ask somebody, hey, have you read this book? Yeah, I read it. They listened to it. They didn't read it. They listened to it. And they let whoever was narrating read it to them. But we can't stop reading the word of God. Because then in, in, uh, in 2 Kings 23, it tells us what was going on inside of the temple. What was happening inside of the temple. There were articles in the temple dedicated to Baal, Asherah, and the stars. What are occult objects be doing in the house of our God? Yahweh. Jehovah. What 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 are what are what are what are occult objects doing in there? They're not the same. And even even some people I, I've heard from you know some of my generational peers, you know, they say, you know, well, they're all all roads lead to the same place. No, it doesn't. Jesus told us very plainly that there is one way. There is only one door. 
says if you come through any other door, you enter in as a thief and a robber. There's only one way, and Jesus Christ is the door. Let me be very clear about that. But we have a generation of people that have stopped reading. And so they're mixing and mingling the things of the devil with the worship of God to the point to where they stop worshiping God and they just start worshiping the devil. And, and we have to be very careful not to contaminate our worship. We have to be very careful not to contaminate our faith. Romans tells us, Paul tells us in Romans, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does that mean? That means that if I'm not hearing and I'm not reading, if I'm not reading the word of God and I'm not hearing the word of God, then I won't have faith to believe God. When situations and circumstances come, because they will come, because in John 16, 33, Jesus says very clearly, he says, in this world, you will have, you will have trials and tribulations. But then he says, but be of good cheer. Why? You can overcome because I overcame. I've already set the pattern. I've already, I'm already setting and leading by example. And so when you look at when you look at uh, 2 Kings 23 and you look at the fact that they desperately needed to be revived. They desperately needed to see God move again. And and Josiah started to facilitate revival by reforming society, by reforming the, the standard of worship. And so we need reformers. We need some reformers that will go into every sphere of society and tell those devil worshipers, tell those unbelievers that I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, that I'm not just I'm not just, I'm not religious at all, but I have a vibrant relationship with God. I have a vibrant relationship with God that, that empowers me daily. That empowers me daily. And that causes me to believe God so much to where God can't help but show off in my life. What do you need me to touch and agree with you about? What do you need God to do in your life? That We ought to go wherever we are and have altar calls everywhere. But it's not popular. It's not popular to do that anymore. You know why? Because the church has become a joke in the eyes of the world. The church has become a joke in the eyes of the world. I mean, I mean, there, there are, today, I was actually watching 
uh, YouTube videos and a series of YouTube videos came up where they were making fun of church. It was, it was like church bloopers. And when you have the audacity and the boldness to make a series of videotapes that highlight bloopers in church, what is wrong with you? And see, those that come in the, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, like that come just like Elijah came during his day, where he didn't tolerate he didn't tolerate the people not loving God, not worshiping God, not fearing the Lord, not respecting the worship of God. So he he challenged in First Kings, he challenged the prophets of all, and, and he challenges them to show in front of all the people. He challenged them, yeah, on live. He challenged them to show forth the power of their God, and he will call forth the power of our God. And I love I loved that story because the fascinating part about it is that if you really look at those verses and look at what he does, look at, look at how everything's arranged, right? He makes it humanly impossible for fire to even be started. He creates the altar. A trench is dug around. And then water is poured on top of the altar and a sacrifice until it starts to collect in a pool around it. Now, I don't know about you, but and then he didn't have any matches. He didn't have any twigs to rub together for friction. He didn't have any rocks to spark. He was going to rely on the power of God to combust and cause fire to come down from heaven. And the, the, the prophets of all, they actually try, they cry day and night, trying to get fire from their God and nothing happens. But then Elijah, in his prayer of rededication for the people, Lord, show these people that you are God and beside you there is no other. Show these people that the power rests with you and not with them. Show these people that you are the one who can make something out of nothing. Show these people that you want their hearts again. And what happens? All of a sudden, the fire comes down. And we need people of God that are so bold to challenge, instead of getting into debates, show me something. Instead of, instead of getting into arguments about philosophies, show me something. Let's see whose God answers first.
whether it's the whether it's the the Islamic God, or whether it's the Buddhist God, whether it's the God of hum or the humanist God, or even for those atheists. Show, or is it the knowledge that they claim to know? I remember my grandmother again tells me a story about how she was at work and how uh, she had a boss who wasn't a believer. And as she began to uh, try to share Christ with him and he, he he's not understanding why she's so fervent, why she's so passionate about her faith in God. And so she says to him, if I can tell you something that only you know and you haven't told anybody else, would you believe? And quite pompously, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. And God begins to speak through her and give her a word of knowledge for her boss. And as she begins to speak, and, and as Daniel called, what did Daniel call God? The revealer of mysteries. So as God began to reveal mysteries, mm, the guy began to weep and acknowledge that her God was real, the God of the Bible. That's who she was proclaiming, the God of the Bible. And so we need people. There needs to be an army of people that walk in faith and bold, ambitious faith in God that are, that are so, so full of the word of God that we begin to demonstrate his word. We begin to demonstrate the power of God. Because we've had enough of religion. Now the world needs to see people that are in relationship with God. And see, here, here's what people need to understand, is that when you fully commit yourself to growing in God and to growing with God and in, in cultivating that relationship with God, then God will never cause you to be put to shame. In the book of Joel, what do we see? He says, my people shall never be put to shame. My people shall never be put to shame. And rather than worry about what people are thinking, let's now begin to demonstrate the signs, the wonders, and the miracle. Let's begin to actually demonstrate and let the world see the glory of God. And I know. A lot of you have been turned off because what some people have done is some people have actually made it a show. But it's not a sideshow. There's nothing 
about God that is entertaining. Especially when you see that as the world begins to drift, as the world begins to drift, then there is a reduction in the miracles. Mm. When the world, when people start to move away from believing God, because God needs, see, here's the thing. If God is going to act in the earth, he needs you and me to allow him to move through. He needs you and me to allow him to move through us. In Daniel 11, Daniel 11 says this. It says that the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits for God. And, and we need to get to the point to where we're, we're knowing him. Sometimes we need to stop... We need to stop binging on, and, and I'm stepping on my own toes. We need to stop binging on Netflix. And we need to open up and binge on the word of God. I remember as I was growing in God, when I first came to the, gave my life to the Lord, because you do realize that just because I'm a PK, I wasn't born saved. At some point, we all have to give our lives to the Lord. And so as I began to grow in God as I, after I gave my life to the Lord, and I, would, I remember spending hours, hours upon hours, just reading the word. And as I began to read the same thing that happened to Josiah, where, where it's, like, it's like that fire just sparks in your heart. And the light comes on. And you just get so excited to where you can't put it down. And even if it's reading the same verse over and over again, I said, I said to my wife earlier today, I said, it's something how to be a generation that claims to know so much, we really show that we know nothing. We're wise in our own eyes. We claim to know so much better than previous generations to where we declare, we decree, hey, this is no longer necessary. That is no longer necessary. But think about the results that that generation had that you're, that you're saying that's no longer necessary. Think about the results they had. I think about the results of my grandmother and my grandparents' generation. And how they had signs and wonders and miracles. As a matter of fact, during the 50s, the 40, the late 40s and into the 50s, the 60s and the 70s, they experienced great healing revivals. Yeah, great healing revivals. And, and great miracles, signs and wonders, great moves of God happening throughout those decades. And they they did, yeah, they, they would turn off their TVs. They would, they would, they would fast, abstain from food for, for days. They would consecrate and commit themselves to the Lord. 
because that's how much they wanted him. That's how much they wanted to experience him. And we need to have that hunger. We need to have that. And, and, and here's another word that has been has been put down, but we need to pick it back up because desperation is not always a bad thing, especially when you're desperate for God. When you desire God, when you yearn for God to move in your life. And we, we sing these songs. We sing these songs. I see you move, you move mountains and you'll do it again. But we're not positioning ourselves to where God can do it again. And, and you have to, and I pray, and in my prayer, in my opening prayer, you heard me pray this, we have to decrease so that God can increase. We have to decrease so that God can increase. I, I shared with a friend the other day, the other a week rather, uh, that scripture from another translation because it just burned in my heart so. It just burned in my heart. And, and I just felt like I just had to share it because it, it just sums up exactly what God has been speaking to me personally. If we're going to experience revival, if we're going to be walking, breathing, living revival carriers and glory carriers, then, there, then we have to learn how to decrease so that God can increase. That's John verse 30. John 3 verse 30 and I'm going to put it up for you because I seriously think that everybody needs to see this because it's a good one. Amen. John 3 verse 30. Amen. And this is coming from the message Bible. And it says this is the assign this is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. Look at that. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. See, God will begin to move through you when you no longer become the most important person in your life. I know the, con the, the most common uh, phrase that we're hearing these days is self-care. But what would happen if I cared for my spirit and I slipped off into the sidelines? So I did all that was necessary to slip off, to, to not become the most important person in my own life. But God becomes number one. And when God is first, then he'll bless the rest. There is no other person whose shadow has such an impact like the shadow of God. We look at in Acts where Peter's walking down the street and he was a man in, in relationship with the Lord. Peter's walking down the street and as his shadow was cast over people, 
because he was under the shadow of God. He was in such a relationship with God to where God was on top. God was above him and he just got the overflow. If you will surrender yourself to God, if you will believe him again, then you will get some glory overflow in your life. You don't have to. You don't have to be the most important person in your life. Let God be the most important person in your life. Let his glory overshadow you so that his glory can over just some runoff, some glory runoff. I want some glory runoff. Where even my shadow being cast on, he didn't even have to touch them. His shadow being just his shadow being cast on people. They got delivered from demons. It's in a book. It's in a book. They got healed from sicknesses and diseases. We need to get back to that point again. Where God's glory overshadows us. It God's glory is over us. It's over us. What what did what did God tell Abraham? The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Mm. Come on now. We we need to be a people prepared for a move of God on a daily basis. Prepared to allow when <laughs> in in Malachi 4 before the, verses 5 and 6 tells us this, says that the son of righteousness in Malachi 4, and I, I'm going to show you that because I feel it's important that you see that it's in the book. It's in the book. Hmm. I love that book. Malachi 4, verse 2 says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stall fed calves. Let, let's look at another translation of that. And it amplified says, but unto you who revere and worshipfully fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and his beams, and you shall go forth and gamble like calves released from the stall and leaped for joy, and leap for joy. I really believe that we're in store for a major movement of glory, but God needs you to step to the sidelines because this is his moment. This is his moment. This is his moment. This is his moment to be seen. We've already seen what happens when we're seen. We've already seen the results that we get when we trust in ourselves, when we trust in other things. Now it's time for you to believe God and trust God again. Let this be his moment where you encounter unbelievers and because his glory, because his son is over you, 
his, your shadow, the shadow just caused miracles, signs and wonders to happen. You don't have to wait. I know some of you at work, you're so conservative. And so at work, you don't want nobody to really know that you're a believer. You don't want them to know that you're on fire for God. You don't want them to know, no, 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 no. So, so if somebody comes to you because God is leading for divine appointment, somebody comes to you and shares something with you, shares a need with you, you don't want to lay hands on them because you don't want to cause a scene. So God says, okay, trust me, I got that. I got that. Just, just let me shine. <laughs> just let me shine on you. Let me shine on you. Let me let me let me show you what I'm capable of when you let me shine through you. Shine on you and shine through you. Woo! <laughs> Woo! God is good. God is good. God will cause miracle signs and wonders to happen. <laughs> God will cause miracle signs and wonders to happen because we're walking. We're walking. I mean, come on now. We talk about walking under an open heaven. But when the heavens are open, when the clouds are parted, that's when the sun shines on us the most. <laughs> and we read there where it says that his son, the son of righteousness, would arise with healing in his wings and his beams. The effect of that sun would cause healing to happen. And ain't nobody got to lay hands on you. I know some of you, I, I, come, trust me, trust me. I, I grew up here and, you know, don't let anyone lay hands on you suddenly. I, I, I remember hearing that. But God says, I don't, have to, I don't have to lay hands on you to cause a miracle to happen in your life. <laughs> That's why even there were times where Jesus wanted to show us the many ways that miracles happen. And sometimes he just spoke the word. But you got to believe that it's possible. You got to you got to take your logic hat off and put your faith hat on. Because sometimes we can doubt ourselves out of a miracle. But allow God to shine through you again. Become that reformer and that revivalist. Show, reshape society in God's image. You are in government. You are in education. You're in entertainment. You're in those, you're in the various areas of society because God has you on assignment. But you will only manifest your assignment. You only manifest the glory of God when you believe that where you are, he can use you. That's why I believe that within the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to see the church outside of a building. We're going to see the we're going to see the church in operation outside of a building. I, I, the last year has shown us that the building is temporary, but the church is eternal. But God needs people who will recognize that there 
they're sent into the earth on assignment. And it's time to manifest that assignment. It's time to let him shine through you. This is his moment. Step aside. Let him move to the center while we move to the sidelines. Decrease so that he can increase in your life. Let him be the one that the world sees when they see you. I always bring this out, how in the scriptures, you think about how when uh, Jesus was ministering and John the Baptist was alive. People saw, they saw something about both of them that was just so familiar. It just seemed like they were the same person. That was God. And then when John the Baptist actually does die, they ask him, they ask, they, 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 Jesus asked his disciples, said, who do men say that I am? And what do they say? They say, you're John the Baptist. They say, you're Elias. These are all mighty men of God in the history of the people of God. Then when Jesus is off the scene and his disciples are ministering in the book of Acts, there's something about them. When Peter and John are at the gate of the temple and the man gets up and I'm like, wait, 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 didn't we kill Jesus? Who are these guys? We know, we know they don't have a master's degree in, in divinity. We know they, they don't have a PhD. We, we know, we know they, they're not from this school or that school. They didn't see that sit at the feet of Gamaliel. Who are these guys? And they said, we, they've been with Jesus. That's all we know is, is, is something about them just says Jesus. There's an identifier on all the people that God will use. On all those people, there's a residue. There's a residue from the glory. It just... It causes God to be seen so much to where they don't know how to they don't know how to how to label you. And so it's time to believe again. It's time to become glory carriers every day. It's time to take the church out of the building. It's time that the world sees Jesus. Will you be that vessel? Will you be the representative that the world needs most? We're in an age of spiritual darkness where regardless of what nation you're in, laws are being made daily to limit the standard of God and to promote the perverted standards of the devil. But we can't be stopped. We can't be stopped. The book of Acts actually tells us and shows us that when persecution arises, it don't make us shrink down. 
we blow up. And when we blow up, glory goes everywhere. We can't be stopped. Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord God, we just thank you right now for these people that are listening, whether now live or whether in a replay. And we thank you, Lord God, that inside their hearts, you're sparking a fire. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that even if they don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, that inside, Lord God, you're you're drawing them. You're, you're pulling them closer and closer to yourself. It's not so that we would get any glory, God, but that you would get all the glory and that your glory will be seen around the world. God, we, we just thank you for answering prayers answering questions. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that even, Lord, in the night season, Lord God, that you would speak to us, that you would instruct us and show us our assignment. You would make it ever clear to us what we're to do for you. We give you glory, honor, and praise, God, and we believe, we believe that the God of the Bible is the God of today. And so, God, we expect, we expect to see you. We expect, we expect to be used by you. We expect for your glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we're going to make you famous, God. We're going to make you famous, God, by proclaiming your name to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And God, we give you glory, honor, and praise for everything that you're doing in our day, in our time, that the best is yet to come. And we're happy that we're participants in your, move, your movement, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.